0: Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.
1: Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming in these unprecedented times, presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bukamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, might ask them later in the show. Uh, Our topic today is going to be a heavy one. I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh we're going to be talking about w- 1 year in the pandemic because it's been a year, folks. Um but before we get to that, uh Mitra D- Dr. B, who are you in case people don't know?
2: Sure, I'm a registered clinical counselor, aka counselor therapist who works out of Victoria, British Columbia. I work with individuals, couples, families. I'll work with most anyone. Um, I have a research specialization in the area of culture and um, culture shock, kind of talking about adjusting to new cultures, that kind of thing. So yeah, that would be me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I am um, Dr. B for long Italian name reasons that you often you <laughs> see um and i am the clinical director over at take this and we do a lot of wonderful things uh, with the gaming community in terms of mental health education workshops and when it, uh, when conventions were a thing uh our <sighs> very beloved afk that? room program
2: <laughs> <laughs> Starting i'm off gonna like you. have Starting some feelings
3: that. about this one yeah
1: Yeah, Yeah,
2: this is this is kind of brought up some stuff for me, too. Um,
1: Before we get to that, I do want to make a quick announcement. This is the penultimate episode of season one. And yes, I said season one. We will be coming back uh, with a season two. Uh, So next week will be our uh, our last episode of the season. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break and come back on April 13th with more champions of psychology and more mental health talk uh, that we hope you all enjoy. Yeah, um, and uh, now that we got that happy stuff out of the way, <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, it has been a year, um, Mar- I, I, for me specifically, March 9th was the last day I was at my retail job until my anxiety and fear got to me to the point that I couldn't couldn't go anymore, um, I actually, I was talking to Dylan yesterday, today uh, is uh, possibly the one year mark of when Codename started, Work From Home, yeah. So it is. Yeah, it it's it, this is a very very weird time. Um we we have a list of things to go through, but I I thought it would be interesting to start with when was the last time before the pandemic that you went out? Um you mean
2: to do more huh. than grocery shop? Yeah, so yeah, yeah like, specific, like like when, when, yeah, when yeah, out. when's the last
1: time that you went to like do something that you can't do now?
2: Yeah. Uh, Doctor B, you had things to you were starting.
3: Uh, I I you know honestly I feel like I'm going to bring down the room. I mean this is this is not an easy topic. I mean I I know that we're usually kind of lighthearted about a lot of mm-hmm. things, and I I have more than a gallows sense of humor a lot of the time. Um, but I lost five people last year, and the very last thing that i did as a group um as a group activity was go to awake right before oh, lockdown happened and it's weird to think that the very last group interaction now admittedly this was this was a fairly uplifting experience because it was thrown by the person who we unfortunately lost two weeks later uh she wanted to be present for her own celebration which was lovely at the same time that was the last thing I got to do with people. And Man. that was over a year ago. And yeah. in in the process of losing four other people last year, I didn't get to say goodbye to any of them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's I, I I'm I'm sure a lot of people have Similar stories that may, you know, that I've heard stuff like that, but man, that's as that being the last thing before, like, and with the coming up, that's just, I got no words.
3: Well, I I mean, no words, but my, and the thing is, and this is, this is why I think our usual irreverent attitude is probably not going to be present here uh, today. My story isn't isolated. We all know people yeah in similar circumstances yeah. who were not able to say goodbye to loved ones yeah and yes it's well, it's heartbreaking
2: it really is and it's so difficult to process because then we're experiencing our own isolation as well and so there's that emblematic of all of this is the commonality of our experiences through a pandemic, but also the isolation of those specific experiences that are heartbreaking and that we can't get the support we would usually get. We can't come together. Uh, There isn't the same closure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mitra, what about you? What was the last thing that you can remember that you went out and did that you can't do now?
2: Well, I think one of the last things I did that was something I haven't been able to do since. Uh, for ex, uh, was go to Vancouver um, with one of my kids and a couple of their friends and go to a restaurant and just have a really good time out and about. Yeah. Um, and Eric and I, you, you know, we'd take these weekend trips uh, sometimes and being able to see friends. I think I'm trying to think of specifics, but. I live with, you know, three kids and there's two adults. And when I say kids, I mean kind of 20, 18, and Mm -hmm. 16-year-olds. And so the house was always full of their friends. And, you know, there were always these impromptu get-togethers and pizza at the last minute or a big pot of chili or whatever. And there was always this sense of people coming and going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hosted several d and games. So it's that feeling of just kind of holding the space, uh, but also having my friends drop by. Um, so that was happening in, in February for sure. Yeah. And then it all kind of shut down in March because I went into quarantine with two of my kids who had just yeah. come back from Japan, literally oh, right before the gates clanged shut. So, Jeez. yeah,
3: yeah. the
1: the The last thing that I can remember before, because I'm I'm not counting the the retail job, <laughs> yeah. I had to be there. That was not my choice. Um, was going to uh the the my going to a bar that my friends and I always went to, uh every Thursday night. That was where we would go. That's where we would hang out. And I rem in that one, like I have all these memories of times at that bar, but mm-hmm. that one feels so weird because i i could feel this overwhelming sense from everyone in the bar that we knew Mm -hmm. bad stuff was coming Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and everyone was like trying to make those gallows humorous jokes It's like oh don't want to do that you don't want to get corona and you know because that's when we were calling it corona and stuff and I was so freaked out because I had been freaked out about COVID since like December when it first started hitting Twitter and people were like, oh, calm down. It's fine and everything. So that's going to be great for my anxiety after this because like, ha, you were right. Um, but like, I didn't want to hug my friends. Mm-hmm. I was that scared. There's one friend that I did hug because I was like, I don't care. I'm I'm hugging you because I'm pretty sure this is the last time I'm going to see you for a while. And but like I didn't I didn't hug I always hug my friends I, I'm am a hugger, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that memory is just so weird to think about now um, compared to the other ones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and- um, mm-hmm. oh
3: well, I was going to was- say we had a similar feeling at, at least uh, I and you know mutual friends of some of ours had a similar feeling at Pax East last year. Mm-hmm. you know prior to Oh yeah that was the like the last That one. was the last convention and I mean yeah. in a lot of respects it kind of deserves the capital letters that it sounds like um and pe- you know at the time uh, people were debating uh you know how bad is this going to be how bad is you know how you know wh- what do we need to do to take care of things and I di- I did a panel at East with uh someone I know who is an epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins and I, I I asked her, how bad is this going to be? Just, you know, under our breaths. And her response, oh, so bad. So yeah. bad. That, you know, as much as... And so there was this overhanging shadow. Was GDC, uh, Game Developers Conference, going to get canceled? It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's going to happen to the rest of the events that many of us make a living going to?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. there was so so much uncertainty and this fear of upheaval Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was just Mm -hmm. present with us even as we're trying to celebrate seeing each other maybe for you know maybe for the last time for quite a while and it turns out it was yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah, for me, I mean, I guess the last, the very last things I did would have been to uh, see my clients in person. And uh, and that was a difficult transition in some ways, um, particularly for some of my, my clients. I was very fortunate that Um, many of them were able to continue working uh, remotely um, via Zoom or Doxy or any of the various things we all had tried to kind of work out how to work online, because I had done some work online with clients. I may have had one or two clients that I hadn't actually met in person, but um, in general, I was in person. I work as a somatic therapist. So I'm really kind of paying attention to body language and kind of help Mm -hmm. clients ground in their bodies and all that kind of stuff that, you know, had to figure out how to do that. But, uh, but so when I was kind of had that week, I was then going into March break. And because my kids were coming back from Japan, I was going into quarantine with them, with the three quarantine teenagers, because we had my two, and then a borrowed kid who couldn't go home because of a younger sibling. And we had, you know, Eric, my husband, decamped um, for the two weeks so that he could work on figuring out how people were going to work from home at Codename. And um, my other son went to stay with friends. And there was still this idea that, it wasn't necessarily going to come to the island that, you know, we were going to take all the precautions like people should, but that we were probably going to be okay. So again, you had that variation in how bad is it? Oh, so yeah. bad in terms of people who knew and, oh, maybe this really is just the flu. Maybe this isn't a big deal. Just a few weeks, you know, just a few months, you know, we can get back to normal, you know, the summer, but oh, then the second wave. So there was this process. But when I went into quarantine, everyone else was just kind of still doing their thing. You yeah. know, they were wearing masks, mm-hmm. you know, they, occasionally, but there was a lot of confusion around masks. And this was the thing I think we all experienced that made it quite difficult too, don't you think? Which is yeah. that um, there wasn't, understandably, I think epidemiologists were figuring out what was happening and what we needed to do. But there was a lot of confusion around wear a mask, don't wear a mask. How distance is good distance? You know, what do I do when I go to the grocery store? How far away do I stand? Which way do I walk? You know, all of these, um, th- these are weighty things to process from a cultural mm-hmm. perspective.
1: Yeah. Um, what the, the first thing that we had on our list to talk about and I again, I think is very relevant to uh, everything that was just said was trauma. Like, um, you know, I don't think we've really covered much trauma uh, on the show yet, but like this is a shared trauma that everyone has. Like yeah. that is one thing that is going to connect everyone, which is kind of the weird thing that it's also divided so many people. Is like all of us are going through this, all of us share this trauma now. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so maybe where do you should... want to start with that? I I want to kind of describe trauma a little bit okay. because I think we're very quick to associate it with, you know, um, really sort of immediately challenging events. You know, we think about trauma in terms of war. We think about it in terms of, you know, being attacked on the street or, uh, you know, getting run over or, you know, major mm-hmm. things like that or drowning almost. Or, um, But there's a range in terms of how we experience, uh, how we deal with experiences What's traumatic for me may not be quite as traumatic for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's traumatic might be more traumatic for someone because I can't see a loved one or I've lost lots of people this year or I didn't get to say goodbye um, or I've had to put off a surgery. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's and depending on what's happening for the person, that's more or less traumatic. And it's really not okay for another person to say, ah, well, my experience is more traumatic than yours. You know, and that's yeah. it that's that keeps coming yeah. up and there is no pain olympics. No. There is no podium, no. <laughs> you know.
3: Well, an a a metaphor I like to use when it or you know when it comes to something like that is just because you broke your leg and I broke my finger doesn't mean my finger's less broken. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I I do I will never ever understand the well you think you gotta i like that's just in general i i
3: (laughs) who wins in that
1: (laughs) i know i know i'm just like i i understand you need to one up but like this is a that's a weird thing to one up right there um yeah i
2: i think what happens for people is they there there is this idea that there's just not enough validation for painful experiences yeah and therefore, I don't know, but I'm working hard to get my validation. And if that means I'm telling you that my thing is a bigger deal than your thing. But nobody wins yeah. in those situations at all. Um and, and, you know, you may only have broken your finger, but what if you're a pianist? What if you're a guitarist? Like, come on, you know? So we don't necessarily, we have to look at the context around a person's experiences to understand how and why people might be experiencing pain um but really the central issue here is isolation makes any traumatic experience worse Mm -hmm. if i don't have a way to process this if i don't have enough support around me if i don't have the care and validation and understanding and affirmation that i need i am going to feel worse
3: well can can i jump in and comment on Mm. something there mitra um you know, as part of what we do, at take this because we do a lot of educational stuff. In fact, that's all I do these days. I haven't seen mm-hmm. clients in years. Um, the uh, there was a journal article I came across oh about a, about a year ago now, huh. not mm-hmm. coincidentally, yeah. mm-hmm. where they made an interesting differentiation between isolation and loneliness, mm-hmm. where. The differentiation they made was that isolation is a purely numbers game, Mm -hmm. that a person can be relatively isolated from a social network while still having extremely fulfilling connected social experience, whereas loneliness is the perception that there's something broken in your social network. And that is irrespective of numbers. And that was a differentiation I've really tried to bear in mind in the course of the last year. Because yes, while many of us have been physically isolated, a lot of us still managed to feel relatively connected to people and not necessarily lonely, even Mm -hmm. through isolation. And um, what you're speaking to in terms of social connectedness, in terms of healing through traumatic experiences, that is one of the most consistent, consistent things across trauma literature. Um, Yes, indeed. That a sense of social connectivity, both in terms of pre-trauma experience um, concurrent with the trauma experience and post-trauma experience that is one of the most protective factors and for a lot of us that has been ripped away
2: absolutely absolutely and to speak to loneliness a little bit more as well you can be in a family system or in a marriage um, um, or regularly uh, around people uh, because some people, of course, are having to work through this and are going into work and don't, you know, healthcare workers or essential workers. And you can still be feeling very lonely and you can still feel invalidated in your experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. And we we may still not be able to reach those resources that would help us through that time. In fact, that's one of the challenges, is that some resources which would have been there for people aren't available. For example, um, although individual therapy can be costly and difficult, group therapy um, was often a good option for people. And certainly for a while, once the pandemic started, group therapy was much more difficult to um, set up for people. Now, of course, we can do group group therapy via Zoom and other means. it's not the same, but it's still a possibility
1: mm-hmm. um so the 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 term on here that uh, that Dr. B even used early on Twitter is the grief anniversary yeah um, and that's very i feel aptly named um it feels that way absolutely, and there was a list of things on here of anger losses uh helplessness, and denial mmm um was that what is what are those uh what are i mean some of those we understand why they're there with grief adversary but like overall what was it that you wanted to talk about with them
3: well i mean let's let's just talk loss i mean yeah <laughs> i don't think i don't think anybody watching this anybody listening to this um even the three of us talking about this have any shortage of things we can talk about that we've lost yeah. In the course of the last year, whether it's touch, whether it's, you know, sharing food mm-hmm. with people we love, whether it's mm-hmm. expectations, routine, whether it's, uh, y- you know, um, God, those last two ones are are so huge. The expectations and routine, the loss of mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. I, I I'm, mm-hmm. that probably hit me harder than anything else I can think of because, you know, when... We as people, and there's, again, no shortage of evidence for this, mm-hmm. that routines are good for us. You know, routines are real good for us, too, you know, at least a little bit. Um, and they they help give us a sense of predictability and future orientation. Mm-hmm. And when we, a lot of us, when we lose those routines, we lose that ability to look towards the future. And we end up losing hope. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Because really, if we think about it, our existence, um, or our comfort in organizing our existence, what works is we need a sense of security and being able to plan. And then we need the capacity within us to cope with change. And when you have both those things, you've got a fair amount of resilience in your life. You've got the ability, you kind of have that ability to create goals without the hopelessness of thinking goals can't or won't happen. And you have the ability to kind of do your daily life and be in the moment. And they're kind of in contrast, the Mm -hmm. future goals and the actually being in the moment thing. But, you know, we need them both. And routines are part of that. Routines are part of a sort of affirming that there's hope, there's this thing we're going to do. I'll see you next Sunday, you know, that kind of thing. And and so those are really important in terms of the building blocks towards how our life goes, um, and the expectation of being able to have the company and care of others. Yeah, it's really hard to have lost that. Um, mm-hmm. I personally was in a state of grieving. Um, I I have older family members. Um, my mother is in England. I was terrified about what was going to happen for her because the uk was really blowing up at one point um i have an aunt and uncle in ontario ontario is going through so much um and i really i mean i miss people i'm lucky that they're still here Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but i in my life i've had the experience of people dying at a distance and not being able to say goodbye that's what happens when you move continents as a child you know multiple times Mm -hmm. um and so i really i get that it's
1: very painful. Um, one one of the things that you're that Doctor B was saying was with the the expectations of of, be, of losing that and mm. uh, you know becoming hopeless. Like I don't know about you, but uh, like there was so many times throughout last year that I heard, "Oh, it, it'll get better in August." Yeah. Oh, it, it'll it'll get better in November or something like that, and like ch- trying to hold on to that and like. Like, I genuinely think what got me through those first few months is August. I can get to August. And just continuously pushing that back. T- I'm at the point now, though, like, like there's been a lot of videos and memes going around. We're just like, uh, you know, me in tw- uh, March 2020, straight panic. Me in March 2021 is just him in a bathrobe with a drink, dancing to some lights. And it's like, I I kind of get that because, like... I no longer have an expectation, and it's almost, like you were saying, ripped away to the point where I'm just, like, I'm numb to it. Like, I am i don't have an expectation of when I'm going to get the vaccine. And, by the way, I've been seeing people in chat posting that they've got appointments or they got their first shot or whatnot. I'm so I'm happy, happy about that. Le- yeah. Legitimately, every time yeah. I hear that, it it heals me. <laughs> it heals my soul a little bit. And But, like, I don't know when I'm going to get it. I don't know how my city's going to be able to handle it and everything with that. And so I've kind of had to let go of that expectation of that hope and be okay with not having hope for that. Just uh, having the, it'll happen eventually.
2: Yeah. I went through a period of real despair starting last summer because one of my kids was going to go through surgery and I did not want to do anything to compromise that surgical date at all, which Mm -hmm. meant that instead of actually being able to open up a little and see people, I couldn't and by the time I could it was October and then by the time November came we were shutting everything down again so yeah I I feel that numbness I I Mm -hmm. really get that um somebody in the chat was saying they it was quoting the Princess Bride, um, but I just sucked the last a year of your life away. <laughs> Tell me how do you feel? It's like, yeah, that yeah. that is exactly it. And I'm hearing people talk about or seeing people talk about the loss of uh a year in their child's life for specific developmental things like being able to play with friends yeah. um or being able to have those experiences that you want from them for them. Um, and for my kids, this is very true, my eldest had just started university by the end, of course, of, of uh, his last term, which was, you know, I guess, April-ish. Um, he'd had to do the last month and a half online, and he just knew there was no way. So he had to take this year off, and things were really starting to go right. He did a trip to Montreal. He was starting to meet new people. He was having a great time. You know, my other kid had an online graduation ceremony. And uh, so all that I'm lucky. They're fine. Mm-hmm. They're healthy. Yeah. But their lives have been stopped. Um There is a place here to actually talk about some of the benefits that I've seen come from that in our family. But let's let's just not get there too early because yeah. there's lots <sighs> here.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, there's I mean, and there's a lot of anger, and this yeah. is this is there's a lot of injustice that yeah. many of us either are sort of nebulously experiencing or we or we're having a hard time articulating because there's okay there I, I'm I'm gonna this is my gallows humor coming out again there there's an online meme I've seen many times where it's just a picture of a, ga- uh, of a casket and somebody says, when I die, I want my casket to be carried by all the people in college I had a group project with so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and there are so many of us, so many of us who have been doing everything we can. Because we know that, yeah, it's frustrating when a new situation comes out and we have a lack of scientific consensus and Mm -hmm. data is emerging and the situation is changing and in flux. There is a lot of frustration with that. And that's that confusion is, and that anger at that confusion is understandable. But Mm -hmm. as more scientific data has come out, and we have started to understand, one, how effective good masking techniques are, not necessarily for yourself, but to protect others. And that mm-hmm. wearing a mask is a selfless act. And, mm-hmm. of course, there are people with legitimate physical constraints who who can't wear these things. Yeah. At the same time, there are no shortage of people making demonstrations flaunting their not wearing masks and for those of us who have lived our lives sequestered isolated and are suffering through it for the benefit of others to see others flaunt whatever they can just flaunt these decisions is so infuriating Oh, yeah. So yeah. infuriating that mm-hmm. we are spending so much time protecting you for you to turn around and slap us in the face.
1: Yeah. yeah. There there was a, a video uh, that went pretty viral at some point. And that was the other weird thing, how many uh, videos went viral for, like, a day and then vanished because everyone was just stuck at home and on to the next thing. That It was kind of a weird thing how... Fast culture, uh, like internet culture sped through last year. But there was one video of um, a woman who uh, was told to wear a mask, and uh, she was taking the video. She was told to wear a mask. She put it on and she started, she described how she was freaking out. She started crying because she didn't want to wear it and was, you know, screaming at the people that she didn't want to wear it and everything. And a lot of people were like saying like, oh, this woman's, you know, just a whiner. And like, I, I watched the video three times and I turned to my wife and she described an anxiety attack. Like a, a, a lot of the people that I, that I saw that, you know, well, not a lot of them because they got worse, but like some of the people that were like very much like, I don't want to wear a mask. I'm, just, I'm like, is it because it makes it more real? Is it because that, like, when you put that mask on, you have to accept the fact that we are in a pandemic, that this is happening, that you need to protect yourself and others? And that's kind of how I saw it. Like, I don't even they're still They're still completely wrong. I will, I will scream at anyone not wearing a mask. Uh, but it was like, I, I understand what that thought process was for that person because they were experiencing a panic attack possibly for the first time in their life. And those are terrifying. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are terrifying.
2: terrifying. I'm going to add that you know, I um, there are some people who have maybe experienced assault mm-hmm. and had their mouth covered.
1: Oh and yeah, no. Have yeah. trauma
2: experiences around mm-hmm. that, and I can really appreciate them not being able, literally mm-hmm. not absolutely. being able to wear a mask. Now over here in in BC, at least you can get a doctor's note saying. If there's a good reason you can't wear a mask, you need to carry it with you at all times. The doctor's note, I mean. Um, and if you can ever manage to wear one for a short while, that's great. But I do think we need to have some understanding and compassion for people in that situation. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I certainly. see that as very different, of course. Yeah. Because the rest of the time, honestly, you stop at red lights, right? you You, you know, you do the courteous thing in other circumstances in your life that keep us safe. How is this any different? You know, is Mm -hmm. this a lot different than wearing a seatbelt? You know, is this, and of course, that's protecting yourself as well, but perhaps not putting other people in the car with you at risk. But uh, is this, this is a simple and small act. And I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't think anyone needs to agree with me about what I think you should or shouldn't do. But I think if we're being asked to do something that is so simple, Mm -hmm. that is, not stressful for most people
1: yeah that's the big thing yeah yeah
2: well mine and- is mine is cute it's got really <laughs> nice unicorns and i just want to say you know come on I'm is that the cat? no oh that's actually oh, a unicorn man, oh
3: okay. Oh, okay.
2: okay oh yeah it's you cute i love it there we go
1: yeah i i the, and you know I, I, I you, this episode has been very much like, this sucks. This is, you know, this yes. is absolutely terrible. But some of the things that have come out of it, like, I love being on a Zoom call with my friends and, and being like, oh, look at the mask that I got. Or, like, and showing off stuff like that. And, like, finding something good about this thing that we now have to do to keep ourselves and everyone else safe.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, so like, the, there's little things like that that have been nice that has been a way of people latching on to something good out of this bad situation that is it's it's still talking about it it's still present it's still there in your head but you're able to have a nice conversation with your friends about it granted through zoom
2: yeah one of the things that um i felt such loss around my middle child's grad Ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to be there. I wanted to hug all the kids. I I just, I just really, I'd had such a good time with my eldest child's ceremony, and I was really looking forward to more of the same. Of course, Um, one of the things that came of it that was really actually quite fabulous was we don't have a lot of family nearby, actually. Everyone in my family is is quite far away, and in my husband's family as well. There's very few people local, um, but because it was being it was live on YouTube, it was being streamed. Um, we could all watch it. My folks in England, my folks in in uh, Ontario, um, my cousins they could all watch it. And they could comment and we could chat together about Mm -hmm. what was happening. Hey, that was a great speech. Oh my God, look at what that kid accomplished. Isn't that cool? You know, and, and, and just be silly together as well over it. And that was something that would never have happened before. Yeah. So there was, so there was something really quite beautiful about that. I think it's being able to take those beautiful experiences um, or just kind of being able to turn it around. Um, But the, challenge there is that it takes energy to do so yeah it, it, when you're grieving the loss of something that you you really loved about your life um, or you're grieving the way you were able to be the way you could do yourself socially as it were and that's a tremendous loss and how do we move from that state of loss grief and burnout into okay but here's some great stuff that we've you know it's 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 it makes it's it's actually a pretty massive gulf Mm -hmm. you know so
3: yeah that I mean again and I if if the chat hasn't figured out by now I love metaphors I I love I love analogies I love metaphors and the I I often think about the grief process as you're going to volunteer with Habitat for Humanity Okay. Follow me. This is a this is a little bit of a long one. So follow with me for a second. Okay. All right, I put on my walking shoes. Right, Thank you. All right. Um, you know the grief process is like going to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity and you're working to build a house and you're given some tools. Now maybe they're not the best, most expensive tools in the world because you know they're a nonprofit and you're you're struggling sometimes because you' got to share tools with other people it's not an ideal situation now for some people the grieving process is like continuing to go to you know the manager on site and say hey these aren't the right tools these aren't the right tools these aren't the right tools and essentially arguing with the situation and there comes and you start to process the fact that eventually this is what you have to work with what do I do with it and the and seeing people come to, okay, this is what we have. This is what we have in front of us. What do we do with it? There have been some really amazing moments of joy and celebration, and essentially a new normal that has come out of it. I mean, a really a really funny one that happened just a couple of nights ago. Um, I was doing a, a Zoom call with some friends, and this group of friends, has a collection they essentially take snapshots of other people's backgrounds so they can oh so they could be like oh hey i'm in i'm in so-and-so's room now and they put their zoom background on they didn't have mine (laughs) so they asked me to move out of the way so they could get my background And I was, of course, playing with this. There was me down at the bottom of the screen, just like Kilroy <laughs> looking out. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Um, and we we ended up having fun with this because this is our new normal. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it, it got to the point that uh, it, some people started bragging in a private chat we all have that, "Oh, I have the hat horde now." <laughs> but it, <laughs> love it. It's there is this tension between what we want, what we expect and what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I see the grieving process as coming to terms with what we have in a very honest and accepting way.
1: Hmm. Um, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break to remind listeners and viewers of our disclaimer, and then we'll have a bit more conversation about this. Be right back.
0: Champions of psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or ...or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.
1: And we're back. Um... er Earlier on the episode, um, we talked about expectations, and there is a big chunk of the document that uh, is about expectations, uh, pandemic productivity, and I know that we we touched on this in the, our first episode. Our first episode was pandemic fatigue,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, we did cover a lot of stuff in that episode about you know this sort of thing, but this one felt so different. It hit different where it was like, it's been a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that like at the beginning, there was zero productivity from me. Absolutely zip. Mm -hmm. Um, and as time went on, I started to get some, but that old feeling set in the, the, you know, the quote unquote, the millennial guilt. Um, (laughs) Uh, where I was like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not getting enough done where I was still at the beginning of the pandemic. I was getting three podcasts out a week and was editing them, was getting guests, was recording them, was doing everything like that, doing the social media and everything. And I still sat there and went, I'm not doing enough. And that's because I think I wasn't going to my retail job. And that was the thing. It like, no, that is the job. You are just having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's changed now in, uh, in in the year. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why I think we wanted to do this episode. To talk about the differences between the beginning of it and now. And... You know, like now this is what I do. It turns out that those things that I was doing that I felt like I wasn't being very productive on at the beginning of the pandemic is what I do now. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's weird how the, the the pandemic productivity has changed so much. Um, and I don't know if people are still having that where they're having the like, I'm not doing enough uh, and it's still there in the pandemic. Dark B is not in their
3: head. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. one of the, so, oh, absolutely. One of the things that yeah. Take This does with some frequency is mental health trainings and consultations. And since there's no more conventions, we've been doing a lot more of them in the last year. And when we first started out doing these trainings, now that people who had never worked remotely are now you know working remotely, there was this perception of okay, we're working from home. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the question, the thing we would remind people is, N- no, you're 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 not working from home. You're attempting to work yep. amidst yep. a global pandemic while renegotiating yeah. your parenting duties, and yeah. there was often a moment of oh, and mm-hmm. lately, that as we've done this, we the the tone of things has changed, and now it's well. Have you changed your productivity expectations Mm -hmm. workplaces Mm -hmm. because now people are dealing with the stress of having done that for an entire year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. working from home is a different skill set than working at an office.
2: Definitely.
1: Um, well, there, there, there's one that I wanted to point out that Garwar just put into the chat, and I've seen a lot recently is that um, a lot of people are trying to just like you're you're no longer trying to learn how to work from home. You're trying to learn how to live at work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that I uh, mean yeah. that's and, something we talk about with people all the time is create. I mm-hmm. actually don't like the term work life balance because works a part of life it's my pedantic uh, yeah, like autistic for, brain yeah. just kind of kicking in what the way i talk about it is work-home separation
2: very much so very much so so i want to address a couple of things that you've both brought up and the first one is uh development, trauma, and productivity, okay? So um, in our life process, we continue to develop. You know, sometimes people think of develop as what's happening with kids, as in, you know, they're born, they start to crawl, they start to walk, they start to talk, and these are all developmental stages, right? But these don't end when you're an adult. They just transform a little bit. You know, we have developmental stages in our careers um, and expectations of those as well, and we have developmental stages for the goals we want to achieve in our life. So for example, if you embark on a health plan or a diet, you go through various developmental stages of becoming more and more comfortable with that. Uh, and then of reviewing your goals and is this working for you? And those are all kinds of ways of talking about development. So um, trauma or traumatic events interrupt the developmental process. And I cannot stress this enough because I think it's so important to recognize that um, whenever there's a trajectory we're going along, if you have something massive that interrupts it, you can't just pick up on the same trajectory and keep going. It doesn't work that way. You know, Mm -hmm. if your kids are, are home, which our kids all were last year as we were figuring out how to do school from home, that's not the same trajectory in terms of their education. And so that's certainly not the same trajectory for you in terms of supporting them. Um, and if you're trying to work as well while throwing in the odd load of laundry, coping with the fact that now everyone is home and eating you out of house and home, personal experience with this one, uh, while you were trying to grocery shop less, can we just say how hard that is? And being fortunate enough to have the money for groceries is a whole other thing, because some people were dealing with either layoffs, or furloughs, job losses, mm-hmm. that kind of thing also makes it really difficult. Yeah. So just bringing that into the picture around the how do you then move from all of that to being productive and to have unrealistic expectations of yourself. Listen, every day you live through a pandemic and you don't get sick. Yeah. That's an accomplishment.
1: Well, not just that. Every day you've gone through a pandemic and haven't gotten someone else sick. Yes. You are literally doing the best and max that you should be able to Mm -hmm. do yeah
3: well and it's one thing that we that it's i i think going forward it's worthy of us thinking about is the context in which our current employment structure was created you know a lot of our jobs and a lot of our expectations of jobs were established in this post-world war ii era of at least if you were a you know straight white male prosperity um and, you know, with the idea that you can work one job and live a middle class lifestyle. I mean, I, I just read an article about The Simpsons uh, that, you know, when it, when The Simpsons debuted in 1989, the idea of affording a home on a, on a single working class job while feeding three kids and having a stay at home, you know, a stay at home wife. I, mm-hmm. I I at the time that was considered, you know, the middle class lifestyle. Now, I'm consider that's aspirational. Yeah. 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 Like I can't imagine yeah. working a, a a you know, a, a blue collar union job in in Seattle and being a being able to afford a home in Seattle where it, I think it's estimated that in order to afford the most inexpensive home here in the city, you have to make one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and can you imagine trying to, you know, trying to feed a? Fa- it's it, yeah. it's ridiculous. So our uh, it's worthy of considering where our job, our expectations of productivity and jobs structurally are coming from, and are they still applicable to a pandemic and post pandemic world? Yeah
2: exactly um i think it's um we're also putting a lot of people who are doing work that we really need them to do at risk and we're not paying them enough if i think about you know the essential workers you know um and i'm not talking about healthcare. i'm talking about people who are you know they still they work in our grocery stores they deliver our packages yeah um you know they are working really hard for a lot less money than they should be, they are kind of supporting the fabric of our society, um, and many of them, certainly where I live, have been asking if they can get vaccinated um, yeah. as well. Yeah. And we're in this position where there's just not enough in terms of vaccines and deployment of vaccines. And I just, you know, I just really feel for people who are struggling with that. I don't personally expect to be vaccinated till July.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm lucky end of June, same. early
2: July. Yeah. And yeah. that's if things go as they're supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. On schedule. Nothing happens with shipments. Well know?
1: the the I mean the other thing is that like I I've heard, you know, Here and there was just like, oh, you know, if you do this, you could get in there. And I'm like, I don't really want to. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm working from here right now. I don't go out. I'm used to this now. And someone else that is much more needing needs that shot. And I'm not about to do that. And so that's why I have that's why I've taken away that expectation because I'm okay with that. Because of the way that things are rolling out right now.
3: Well, that that sort of mercenary behavior. I'm part of the reason I've been as careful as I have, is I live a couple blocks away from my mom, who has a, an idiopathic degenerative lung condition. She, mm-hmm. you know, never smoked a day in her life, and all of these things. Um, she's on massive amounts of immunosuppressants, and the idea that. She would have an opportunity for a sense of, uh, of hope taken yeah. away from her by from someone like me who's relatively healthy who can wait, mm-hmm. is infuriating to me. Same thing with my yeah. dad who's a five time cancer survivor. <sighs> yeah. It, it, yeah, the idea that and this is this is personal for me. The idea that they would take that opportunity away from my parents is just infuriating.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. I I I think that this is where um it becomes I think we talked about this in terms in context with masks as well which is that um the erosion of the social contract you know the yes. agreement about how we behave in society and how we can support each other and what those expectations are so it the social contract very simply is you know um I walk into the post office and um, if I were to take my pants off right then, that would be a complete <laughs> that, erosion of I the was
1: like, I was like, she's, she's going to cut in line. Uh.
2: <laughs> if I grabbed a bottle of wine and a glass and said, I'm not yeah. having this, you want some with me? Sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, I just... I, <laughs> I'm just trying to find examples yeah, yeah, that I get. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, no, I get what if, you're saying. Yeah. METRA yeah. parties are the
1: best parties. <laughs> METRA parties are the best parties. Yeah. No, I I, I get what you're saying because, like, you know, we talked about this in yesterday's meeting that, like, if you'd gone back in time two years and you'd ask me, all right, th- hypothetically, a global pandemic hits and the best way to resolve it is by wearing a mask. What do you think happens? I'd be like, everybody puts a mask on. And it, and if you if you sat there and told me it was like, well, no, the, you know, there's gonna be a huge you know divide between putting it on or not, I'd be like, that sounds like the plot of a bad movie. Like that doesn't sound realistic. And here we are. So yeah, the, I, I get what you mean by the social contract of like what you, what everybody needs to do to have everything work. Well, like that's what, yeah. you know, like you're saying, going into the post office, there is a line that forms there. No one is like, get in line. There's just like uh, everyone, even the best part is if there's no sign, people go, is this the line they ask that because they know that's part of the social contract. Exactly. But this is, just, oh, it's too much to ask. Apparently.
2: I think part of the problem is when things are new or newer, we have trouble adjusting to them. That's not an excuse, but I think it is part of what people have struggled with in the past year. Um, it's kind of like the culture shock piece. Mm-hmm. Um, there are cultures in which it's considered very rude to look your elders in the eye. Yeah. North America isn't one of them. And so, if you have people who are look me in the eye, you know, and 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 so,
1: I know uh, Doctor B laughing is as an right autistic now. person, <laughs> yeah, I welcome this.
2: Say- <laughs> right, right, but but what I get, at, what I'm getting at, is this idea that when you switch from one culture to another, you really might struggle about what is the thing to do. And having done this several times in my life, I can tell you one of my favorite examples is standing up in the classroom when the teacher walked in in grade four. So Everybody's sitting down, teacher comes in, I stand up because that's what I was taught to do. That's Mm -hmm. what happened every day at the school I went to before that. Um, And so it was automatic. And the teacher looked at me like, why are you standing up? And the other students looked at me and kind of pointed and laughed. So, so this is one of the, we, we have our innate responses to things. And when you have an alteration in the social contract or expectations about new behavior or um, arrows on the floor of the grocery store and places you're supposed to stand, um, it takes a while for people to settle in. And the resentment and frustration uh, rises as well. And mm-hmm. that sense of uh, anger about doing the wrong thing also comes up. Mm-hmm. Whether it's I'm watching someone else stand way too close to me, and now I have to say, excuse me, I just need you to step back a little because you're not at two meters, six feet for you in mm-hmm. the U.S. But like,
3: <laughs> America! <laughs>
2: well, hey, in England too. Oh, they the U.K. Eat? has that as well. Yeah, they're imperial. Well, oh, they're cool. meters, but they still also use huh. imperial culture. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So they also use stones, though, yeah. so <laughs> anywho. <laughs> yeah. They still talk about it in terms of that. Use kilos and stones. I mean, there you go. Again, you know, the imperial system was uh, the, the much older one, and then people still, are, they're still adjusting all these, these, low these many years later. So we've only had a year. So we just, you know. Yeah.
1: Um. So... This one, unsurprisingly, uh, went a little bit longer than our other ones, um, and uh, I do hope that uh, some form of the community uh, conversation that was happening here today did something for you, or at least was just kind of uh, a, a kind of a talk group of just sitting around and talking about this one year of a pandemic. Uh, there was one thing that I wanted to read because, well, I, it, it's from my friend Lee Goldberg, and it was probably it was one of them in here that like hit me in the heart. And it said one of the hardest parts of this is the fact that my son, now 19 months, has never played with another child.
0: Oh, and that God. one! That
1: one hit me so oh, hard in God. the heart. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I I think the before we do the outro and everything is just put on a mask, Just even if even if you hate it even if you don't think it works just just do it if, if you can you can sit there and be like oh, i put one on but it was just whatever as long as you put one on you can say all you want after this is over i don't care just put on a damn mask
3: it's part i think part of our reasoning for saying the stuff we have is just to re-emphasize you're not alone in this okay you there. There's a lot of reasons that you're feeling the swirl of feelings that you are. Whether it's anger, whether it's hopelessness, whether it's a lot of other things, you're not alone in this. Even mm-hmm. if it, even if it feels lonely right now,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's uh, very understandable the disorientation, um, the anger, rage at times. Um, We're with you. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, uh, that is going to do it for uh, today's episode. Uh, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Um, Right down here at (laughs) Mitra Jordan on Twitter. I'm taking a leaf out of Dr. B's book down here. Um, (laughs) And and also at MitraJordan.com. Yeah.
3: Uh, um you can find you know take make sure to you know find all the stuff i do with take this at take this org on all the socials on twitter and everything but um you know right right down here is at the dr b not just the but the there's two e's spell out doctor (laughs) like doctor who and um and all that so at the dr b and you'll get rants about autism and dungeons and dragons and uh, As it should be. And recipes and be. hats and yeah. all sorts of. <laughs> and hats. So yeah, recipes hats. about hats. I don't know. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can find me on the Difficulty Class podcast every Friday um, and on and Champions Lore every Monday here on twitch.tv slash CNE Games at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, as well as on Twitter at The Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. Uh, once again, in case you weren't here at the beginning, this is our penultimate episode of season one. Um, you know, the, it, I, I guess it's better that this isn't the season finale, otherwise, we're, we're leaving on a real big downer. Oh, Yeah. Uh, but, Uh, but yeah, we're going to be back next week with our season finale, and then we're going to be taking a small break and coming back on April 17th with more conversations about mental health and gaming and everything else that's going on, uh, I guess. Um, so, uh, we, we hope you join us next week as well as when we come back for a second season. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Jay and Lauren, uh, for handling the chat today. Uh, I, I was watching and I appreciate you both so much. Uh, And I'm glad that chat was appreciating you as well. Um, I want to uh, say thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. If you missed any part of the show, you can listen to it later today as a podcast at 2 p.m. on your favorite podcast service. And if you have any suggestions for s- future topics, because again, we got a second season coming up, we need some ideas. Yay. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, you can send those into champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com. And don't worry if you have trouble spelling psychology. That's one of my favorite reasons about the show is that I now remember how to spell it. Uh, <laughs> for those of us uh, live, um, just a heads up uh, Bardic Inspiration uh, is postponed. Um, but, uh, you know, we, there was a really cool Idol Champions Presents last night, and if you haven't checked all the other ones, you should go check those out. And all the other cool things that Codename Entertainment is doing. <laughs> as well as take this. Uh, when, when You haven't actually said this on the show. When it, uh takes the stream. Oh! <laughs>
3: Yeah, because no, yeah. I always feel weird promoting thing. I, you know, I'm on somebody else's channel. Um, no, I get it. E- Do it. every Monday night at 3:30 p.m. Every Monday night at 3:30 p.m. Pacific, 6:30 Eastern. We've got something going on. Uh, whether it's a panel, whether it's playing mental health games, or uh, so. Yeah, every Monday. Yeah, make you know, yeah. go follow, take this org on Twitch.
1: Uh, a thing I've told people before: I'm like, even if your stream uh, goes over our stream, they can have two streams up. They, they can multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, that is going to do it for uh, this week's episode, Uh, and we hope to see you here next week. But until then, take care of yourself.
0: Take good care of yourself.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.